So Matthew chapter 26 is where we're going to be. And so over the last several weeks, I've been talking about the life of Simon Peter. The reason I've been talking about his life is because Simon Peter is like this huge guy, this huge character that, that God used to plant the first church. And so he, and so as a result of that, to help you understand Acts, you have to understand Simon Peter's life. You have to, because he, he's like a major player in this whole deal. And so as a result of that, we've been looking at Simon Peter's life, and we come into that place to where we're going to talk about a, a situation in his life, and then we're going we're gonna to cl- find closure in his life in the Acts series, the first church series. But what I want to talk to you tonight or this morning is, is uncommon character. I mean, uncommon character really and truly Character is really not all that common in the society and the times in which we live. And so whenever you meet someone and they like have uncommon character, like their yes is always yes and their no is always no, there's something different about them spiritually. There's something different about the way that they make decisions in their life and they worship and they follow. So when you meet that person, listen, you don't get that by accident. In other words, you're not born with uncommon character. You don't get it by osmosis. You don't get it by accident. In other words, you have to be intentional. Intentional. And Simon Peter developed in his life, and we're going to talk about that, developed in his life this thing of, of uncommon character. I mean, it was something intentional. And here's an interesting thing. Arctic uh, scientists tell us about icebergs that, that only 10% of the iceberg is visible. 90% is, is, is unseen. 90% of an iceberg is like beneath the surface. It's unseen. Only 10% of an iceberg is visible. As a result of that, what they tell us, it makes an iceberg almost indestructible. Because of the, not because of the 10% above the surface, but because of the 90%, the foundation that's beneath the surface. In other words, it's, it's like 10% visible plus um, 90%, uh, 10% visible plus 90% unseen equals an indestructible life. And so we know this about about icebergs, right? We know icebergs are indestructible because after all, what happened when an iceberg struck the Titanic that at the time was seen to be unsinkable, there's no way it could sink. And when it struck an iceberg, the iceberg basically won. I mean, it ripped a hole in the salt, uh, the hole of the Titanic. And the Titanic sank as a result of that. And the same is true in our life. It is not so much the public life that, as the private life. It is, what gives you and I uncommon character is the unseen life. What gives you and I uncommon character is that is the private disciplines of the Christian life. And so if, if, you, want an un, if you want an uncommon life, an uncommon character, then it's developed in the unseen. It's developed behind the scenes. See, Simon Peter not always had uncommon character. I mean, fact is, Simon, we've seen him over these last few weeks. We've seen him struggle. We've seen him have problems. We've seen him fall. We've seen him do, I mean, we, we would see Simon Peter all over the place. I mean, he, he wasn't consistent. I mean, one moment, Simon Peter's that guy that's walking on water, and like the next moment, he's, he's like denying Christ. I mean, at one moment, he's saying, Christ, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And the next moment, he doesn't even pray with Jesus. I mean, he's like, he's like absent. And so we've watched him struggle, and we've watched him come through some events in his life. And, but, but then, within in Matthew chapter 26, the event we're going to look at, all of a sudden, one night, Simon Peter was that guy that did something that he said he would never do. He said, everybody else will do that. Everybody else will, but, but I, I will never do. I mean, that's what regrets are made of, right? I mean, he, he carried regret. 
And he said, he said, I will never do it. And then the night came that he, he did it. Do you, do you have, in your mind, do you have a single event that you said, I would, I would never do that. I would never say that. I would never behave in that way. I would never make that decision. I'd never make that choice. And all of a sudden, the night came, the day came, and you're, you're that person. And as a result of that, you, 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 you have some regret. See, that's, that's Simon Peter. It doesn't matter if the regret came from a word, a, something you said, an action, a decision, a choice, a season in your life. Regardless, the principles are all the same of how to develop uncommon life. If there's hope for Simon Peter, there's hope for us. Simon Peter, listen, Simon Peter developed this uncommon character in his life. It did not come natural to him. It doesn't come natural to us. But the message that comes through loud and clear in the scriptures is, is God, God, God uses common people. But uncommon people, they focus on the unseen, the private disciplines, differently. So that it, they don't live life the same. So I just want to give you two, th- two things. It's a two-point sermon because the Cowboys played last night and I want to get home from the game. <laughs> Maybe that's why they lost. God says, awesome. If you had had three points, we would have won, they would have won the game, Charlie. So uh, who knows? <laughs> so, so here's the first point is this, is uncommon people apply God's word to their life. Uncommon people, I mean, uncommon people apply God to their, their life. So, so for, for a little bit of the context, Jesus just had the Lord's Supper, the last su- supper with the disciples. It was, a life, laugh to- it, was a, it was the it was the last time that the disciples would be together with Jesus for the last supper. Jesus had been telling them the day is going to come when I'm going to when I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to go away. They didn't really get that, they didn't really understand that. And then all of a sudden, this Lord's Supper, this, this Seder was different, and all of a sudden Jesus says, hey, by the way, guys, he like drops a bomb at the table and says, I just got to let you know, tonight's the night. I'm going to betra- be betrayed. I'm going to go away. It was like that awkward conversation, and all of a sudden, conversation ceases, and the disciples' heads are spinning. They can't believe it's the night, and all of those other things, and then we pick up the story in verse 30, and so here's what it says. It says, and when they had sung a hymn, so they finished the Seder, they'd finished communion, and they went out to the Mount of Olives. So, so they're, they're, they're walking, and they're walking from the upper room. They're walking from Jerusalem through the Kidron Valley. I've walked this uh, all of a sudden to the Mount of Olives, and it's like less than a mile. It's two-thirds of a mile, and it's a rocky, narrow trail to where basically you almost have to walk single file. And so they're walking, and they're walking in, in silence because it's that awkward moment. So Jesus decides, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to break the silence. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about this issue. Now, now remember, they just, they, they just had a spiritual high. They just had an unbelievable worship service. But listen, no matter how unbelievable the worship service is, we have to apply what we've learned. We have to apply that to our life. And so Jesus breaks the silence in verse 31. He says, so then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I, so he's quoting scripture. Remember the very words of Jesus before the, the New Testament, the canon was closed. So the very words of Jesus was, at, was the word of God. It was the Bible as we know it. So he said, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And so Jesus is trying to encourage them that you guys are about ready to go through a difficult time. 
You're still going to be my disciples. You're still going to be my followers, uh, but, but you're going to struggle. You're just, you're just going to have a, you're not going to abandon the faith. You're going to, you're going to have a lapse of faith. You're, you're just going to go through a dry time. You're going to enter the wilderness, a trial, whatever, however you want to phrase that. And so then Simon Peter says, well, I'm going to say something because after all, remember, I'm the one that got the question right. Who, are, who, who do you say I am? I say, you're Christ. You're the son of the living God. So Simon Peter speaks up and watch this. It's just so insightful into where he was at this time. In verse 33, Simon Peter says, he says, so, so Peter answered him. Remember, they're all together walking single file. They will all, they'll all fall away because of you. I, I never will. They're all going to, Jesus, you and I both know, man, we so know Andrew. And we know the decisions he's been making lately. We know, we've seen his We've seen his Twitter posts. We've seen his Facebook posts. I mean, Andrew is on the edge. We know Luke. We know John. Jesus, you know the life there. You, they will all fall away, but not me. You know what Simon Peter's saying? Your word applies to everybody else but me. They all need this. I don't. Nothing that you just said applies to me. Remember, I'm the only one that identified you as Christ, the living God. And so let me just stop right here and just tell you a principle that's just a very sobering principle. Your faithfulness today does not guarantee your faithfulness tomorrow. That's why Paul said in Corinthians, if you believe you stand firm, be careful lest you fall. When you and I get to the place to where we think God's word applies, I would never do that. God, God's word applies to everybody else but me. We're on dangerous ground. We all knew, know stories of someone, right, whether it's a preacher, a church member, whoever, that there was a time in their life they were sold out. They're sold out to Jesus. They're sold out to the church. They're serving in ministry. They're doing some great stuff. And all of a sudden, years later, it's like their life is off the rails. And you're wondering, how in the world could that happen? This last week, it was, I was just reminded of this, and I, I don't want to say the name just for a lot of reasons, and, uh, but I want to tell you the story. There's a, there, there's a friend of mine um, that God has used greatly in the kingdom. In the 80s, this individual was, had relationships, was in with some of the top rock star, stars of the, of the time. He was an A-lister. He was with some of the top Hollywood people because of his relationships, because of his job, because of a lot of stuff. In the 80s, his life fell apart. He was come out of drug culture, came out of alcoholism. He meets Christ. He goes to seminary. He goes, uh, and then all of a sudden, I mean, he's a rising star, and Billy Graham hires him out of seminary. He worked side by side with Billy Graham. And so he was the guy. He would be the front runner to Billy Graham. So when Billy Graham would go in and, and, and do a crusade into a city, uh, my friend would go in, and he would do the speak in all the churches and gather the pastors around and do high school rallies, middle school rallies, speak at school assemblies, and he was like the front runner. It is estimated to, he spoke well over hundreds of thousands of people in his ministry. Um, they estimate that 30,000 people have come to Christ because of his ministry. I mean, this guy, I mean, this guy had an unbelievable, in, in, the, in, the, in, in 2000. One two thousand and two, 
we teamed up and we did ministry up and down the front range and strengthened some churches. And, and I mean, he was authentic and he was real. He was hilarious and he had unbelievable stories and, and God used him greatly. He left Billy Graham's organization, went out on his own. And about five years ago, he lost it all. Went back to drugs and alcohol. He lost his family. His wife divorced him. This last weekend, he died of liver failure. 65 years old. He died in a 30-foot trailer. No home, no phone, no car, no income. It was only because a local church knew who he was that they adopted him. And they made sure he had food. They made sure he had daily necessities. And they drove him to church and drove him everywhere he needed to go. And you wonder... How can that happen? How can that happen? Whenever you and I, listen, I'm just telling you, our faithfulness today does not guarantee our faithfulness tomorrow. This is why it's so important if you're going to have an uncommon character. You take God's word and you apply it to your life. You understand it. It, it, it's, it applies to my life. See, Simon Peter was unwilling to do that because of pride. He's either pride or spiritually deceived. Your word doesn't apply to me. I don't need to read it. I don't need to apply it to my life. That a prideful person will, they will hear a sermon and say, oh boy, hope my husband's listening to this one. He really needs it. Hope my wife is listening to this one. Oh my word, does she need that word from God right now. It would like change everything. I hope my kids are listening. God, they need it. I don't. That's what happened to Simon Peter. A spiritually deceived person will get to the place where they no longer read God's word. They no longer apply God's word to their life. They, and, and I'm telling you, if that's you, you're in dangerous ground. And so, so Jesus decides, okay, I'll press in. I'm going to confront you. Simon Peter about this. So he turns to Simon Peter and watch this. So Jesus said to him, truly I, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you, you're going to deny me. No longer lapse of faith. Now it's you're going to deny me. You're going to do it three times, Simon. So Peter answered him, even if I must die with you, your word still doesn't apply to me. I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. So it's, it's now all of a sudden Jesus is like up to Annie. He's like, it's, it's no longer you're going to deny me. I mean, a lapse of faith. You're, you're going to deny me. And, and so Simon Peter, listen, Simon Peter still didn't make the connection. Simon Peter still said, Jesus, you're, I, I don't know what you're thinking. It just doesn't apply to me. And so in a matter of moments, so they, they, leave, they leave the Mount of Olives, and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane in Israel is just so fascinating. It's, it, it means olive press. So the Garden of Gethsemane was a functioning olive press in their day. And so that's where they produced olive oil. 
And so Jesus knew it was after hours. He knew that it was closed. There's nobody around. And so they have a courtyard that is about the size of this room. It's small. And so that's where he took the disciples, and that's where he, he asked them to pray. And so Jesus said, verse 38, he says, Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. This is the most emotion that Jesus shows in Scripture is when he was praying. Jesus was attentive to his unseen life. Jesus prayed. Jesus spent time with the Father. Listen, the reason that we spend time with him, the reason we pray with, for, uh, to him is not to get something from him, but to get to know him. If, you're, if your spiritual discipline, is your un, if your unseen life is to get something from him, take care of this situation, take care of this individual, answer this prayer, when he doesn't and you go through a wilderness, you'll push away every time. Because you know what it's about? It's about you getting something from him. And so Simon, so Simon Peter, the reason we spend time with him is to get to know him, his character, his promises. And so, so, so Jesus asked him, verse 39, and he says, And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So now all of a sudden you see the unseen life of Jesus. Jesus is praying to the Father, your word applies to me, not as my will, but as you, your will. Verse 40, and he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping and said to Simon Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is, is weak. And so all of a sudden you see the power of corporate prayer. And we're going to learn through this act series just the value of cor corporate prayer and the, the, the weight that the local church placed on that, the first church. And so we can read this and we can, we can be a little harsh on Simon Peter and the disciples and say, hey, I can't believe they fell asleep. If Jesus asked me to pray, I'd pray. Really? Have you ever fallen asleep when you prayed? This is church, can't lie. <laughs> right? Okay, that's all of us, hopefully. You, you ever been praying and end up at Walmart? Like you're praying, and you go, oh, I, I forgot to pick that up. And before you know it, you're in the car, and you're in Walmart. You ever been praying, all of a sudden started doing a to-do list? Right? You ever been praying, started answering email? So let, let's just be honest. It, it, it's, it's a challenge for every one of us, right? Disciples are no different. And so it's important that we not place ourselves over the story, place ourselves in the story. See, prayer is one of the reasons Jesus was able to keep his composure. The unseen life is what gives you and I an uncommon life. The disciples, if you count, they fell asleep three different times. And so, so Jesus comes back and says, hey, Judas and my betrayers are coming, right, into the garden. And so verse 50, so Jesus said to them, he's speaking to, to uh, Judas. He says, friend, do what you've come to do. Then he came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand <coughs> and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And so now listen, this is hilarious to me. So Matthew and Simon Peter must have been closer friends than John and Simon Peter because Matthew doesn't tell us who it is. Matthew just simply says someone whacked off the dude's ear, okay? You go to the apostle John, John calls Matthew out for eternity, said it was Matthew. Matthew is the one that cut off the guy's ear. 
And so we can go to John and we can learn it was, it, it, it was, it was Simon Peter that cut off his, his ear. And so maybe, maybe Simon Peter was trying to prove to Jesus, because you wonder, why did he do that? Well, maybe he's trying to prove to Jesus, like, I'll whack off that guy's ear. See, I told you I would, I would stand with you. Maybe he was trying to prove Jesus wrong. And, but if he really wanted to prove his statement true, Remember he said, I'll die with you if I have to? He would have said, if you arrest Jesus, you arrest me. You crucify him, you crucify me. Because I said, I'd die with him. Instead, Jesus died in between two thieves instead of in between two disciples. Because they all fled. They all left. And so uncommon people, they, they learn to take God's word and apply it to their life. The second thing is this, they maintain accountability. They maintain accountability, verse, verse 58. So we just walked through this story, and so Peter was following him at a distance, so he's no longer following close. As far as the courtyard of the high priest and going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. In other words, he just wanted to see what happened. And so Simon Peter's following at a distance, no longer with the disciples, no longer close to Jesus, so there's no accountability. Verse 69, now Peter was sitting in, outside the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and, and said, you, you also were with Jesus the Galilean, but he denied it before them all, saying, I, I don't know you. I, I don't think we should be too hard on Simon Peter, because where were the other disciples? He was, at this point, he was closer than any of them. But Simon Peter was trying to, trying to fit in. You know, every sin starts with a lie. The sin of lying is a part of every sin. It's a common threat. Either, either try to deceive, try to cover up, not to be honest. It always starts with a lie. It's what an individual does when they try to cover up the truth or get away with something. I know I've told this story. It's the best story I have <coughs> about this issue. I think my records show I told this story three years ago, and I try to keep records on that because, I mean, that's, that's the problem, staying in one church for 20-something years. Uh, you, you got all these stories, and, and you can't, like, say them every weekend because then you sound like just some old grandfather that says, oh, he's telling that story again. And... <laughs> And so we were, we were on vacation together as a family, and the girls were young, Brittany and Amanda, and we, f we got to the airport in a rental car, and I had forgotten to fill the rental car up, and then I realized that they were going to charge me $6 a gallon to, like, fill it up for me. I will miss a flight before I pay 6 bucks a gallon. <laughs> I, I am tight. I am, there is, that is, that is not happening. So I got my kids out of the car, Karen out of the car said, you guys go check in, I'll go get gas, I'll come back, no worries about me. And then Karen's luggage is quite a bit larger than mine. And, and so I normally ended up carrying it. And so I said, here, you take my luggage, I'll take yours. And so I went and got gas, I came back, I'm running late, and it's, it's soon after 9-11, so airport security was like, it was really amped up at that time. And so they were pulling one out of every four passengers out of line to go to a special area. There is nothing special about that area. And so, uh, so I get called out. 
and I need to get on this flight, and I'm watching the time, and I'm like, I could, I could miss this flight. My family needs me. And so, uh, so then they, they start quizzing me and asking me all the questions. Is this your luggage? It always starts with a lie, right? Yep, it's my luggage. <laughs> Did you pack it? Yep, I packed it. Everything in this lug- luggage, it's yours, it's your possession? Yes, it is. They say, has anybody had access to this luggage since you packed it? No. Uh, have you left it in unattended? No. I'm answering. I am answering every question. I am lying because I just want to own the plane, right? I've justified it. I need to own the plane. What does it hurt, right? And so then all of a sudden he asked me the dreaded question. Well, he's putting on the rubber gloves. And, oh, this is not going to end well. And so he's like, do you mind if we open it up? And so I lie again, of course not, hoping that he would say, oh, okay, and you go on. So he opens it up, and when he opens it up, on the top of the luggage is her swimsuit and sundress. <laughs> and he looks at me, and he grins, this, this your luggage? First time I told the truth, my favorite one is the red one. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> that was the first truth I told. That led to another special room. (laughs) I mean, they went through everything. I got all kinds of questions. I made it on the plane as they're closing the door. It more than likely would have been easier if I just had told the truth, right? Simon Peter is, he is like, he is trying to cover up because here's the deal. When you cover up the truth, The questions just keep coming. Verse 71, he says, And then when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him and said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. And after a while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, It's like, this isn't going to stop. Certainly you two are one of them, for your, your accent betrays you. And then he begins, hilarious, invoke a curse on himself and to swear. So I guess he used some cuss words to try to prove I'm not a Christian. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Simon Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Simon Peter was overwhelmed because of his overconfidence. If you think you stand firm, take heed lest you fall. I thought I was above this. I thought that applied to everybody else. I thought I would never, I thought I, you know what? I thought I was strong enough. I could get in a compromising situation. I get in a compromising position. I could get in this situation. I thought I could make, I understand it. It applies. I've come to the place in my theology especially because of some trials we've walked through and some wilderness experiences that we've walked through. That a wilderness experience, a wilderness experience is just this. It's a dry, arid land. It's that land you step into because of loss. Loss of a dream. Loss of what you believe the future should be. Loss of this is not the way it's supposed to be. Loss of relationships. Loss of life. Loss of health. Loss of... All of, all of those things. And that's the, that's the wilderness. That's a trial. And I've come to the place in my theology that wildernesses do not prepare us for what is to come. 
as much as it reveals to us our lives up to this point. It reveals to us what's in our heart. It reveals to us how much time we spent on the unseen and not the seen. There's something about a wilderness. There's something about a wilderness. I'm telling you, I've lived this. I know this. Then when you step into a wilderness and there's loss, loss of a dream, loss of a future, and you're saying, this isn't the way it's supposed to be, there's things in your heart that can come up, and you say, I didn't even know I thought that way. I didn't even know I had those unresolved issues. I didn't even know I had that anger. I didn't even know I had that unforgiveness. I didn't even know I had that. Listen, I'm telling you, the reason we spend time with him, with him is not to get something from him, but get to know him. If your time with him isn't to get to know him, then when you go into that wilderness area, you will be tempted to push the Bible away. You will be tempted to push church away. Because it no longer applies to my life. And here, here's the crazy thing. You can study it for yourself. Read all four gospel accounts. All four carry the story. And you, you will find. Simon Peter did not deny him till when the second rooster crowed. I believe with all my heart the first rooster that crowed, a warning. We all get a warning. We all get a warning. It was a warning. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation can overwhelm you, overseize you, overcome you. That he will always give you a way out. I believe we all get one warning. We all get a rooster that crows. And it may come in the form of a phone call from a friend. And so you better just check yourself. It may come with a conversation with a husband or a wife that says, hey, I'm worried about you. I'm concerned about you. Are you sure you want to make this decision? Are you sure you want to head down this road? Listen, let me tell you something. We have to maintain accountability in our life. If you do not have anyone in your life that can tell you no, you do not have accountability. You have cheerleaders. And they will cheerlead you off the cliff. And it may come with a conversation from a husband or a wife or a friend. It may come in a, a form of a sermon. And then we push back and say, oh, they all need to hear this. But not me. It may come at a tug of your heart that it just doesn't, just doesn't feel right. Simon is in this situation is it just by a fire and it seems to be innocent. But he's not aware of the presence of God. See, at the Mount of Olives, when he stood strong, he, was in the, he understood he was in the presence of Jesus. The fact is, they could see each other. We'll talk about that in Acts. And now there's no accountability. The disciples aren't around. Jesus isn't around. I'm telling you, that's why it's so important for us to pay attention to the first crow of the rooster. The first person that speaks into your life. The first crow, when you begin to push back to Scripture. Man, there was a time, there was a wilderness experience I've had in my life, and God convicted me because my quiet time, my life journey moment, was more of like 
a drive-through experience where I just rushed through, got the scripture, applied it real quickly and checked it off the box and didn't really apply it to my life. My friend that lost everything, he no longer had accountability in his life. If, you, if, you, if you're a sports person, if you, if, you like, if you like sports, you know, and it doesn't matter whether it's a golfer, a, a golfer, a, a, a major league pitcher, a college pitcher, uh, someone that bowls. Uh, it's, it's true of all sports. That when you, when you hit a golf shot, when you throw a football pass, when you, when, you, when you throw a baseball, that people that understand the dynamics of that, that they will all tell you the most important thing is the follow-through. It, 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 it's the follow-through. It's the follow-through of a golf shot that says everything about a golf shot. Uh, a major league pitcher, it's, it's the follow-through. A lot of times we're watching football. You may watch football today, and if a quarterback throws an interception, more than likely the commentators will say, well, just watch his feet. He didn't get his hip through. Uh, he didn't follow through. The rush was in his face. As a ru- result of that, he couldn't step through the pass. He couldn't step through the ball. And as a result of that, the ball had nothing on it, and it was intercepted. Can I tell you that's, that's true of the Christian life as well? The most important thing is follow through. It's follow through. That's why Jesus said, blessed is the man that not only hears the word of God, but does the word of God that follows through. That's what got Simon Peter. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?